Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift your praise. Lift up your praise on this last night. But really the beginning. Every day is a new day. We are the feast. The seasons change when we step in the room. So, Father, we thank you right now, Lord God. We bless your holy name, Father God. We lift you up right now, Father God, in adoration right now, Father, for your name, Lord God. We bless you, Father, with the fruit of our lips, Lord God. We bless you, Lord God, with our hearts towards humanity right now, Father God. We lift you on high right now, Father, and we set you on the throne of our hearts right now, Father God. For you are the controller right now, Father. You are the leader of our lives, Lord God. So we ask right now, Father, that you just endow us with your power right now, Father, as we dedicate ourselves to you right now, Father God. Father, we worship you, Lord. We bless you, Father. Bring your atmosphere of heaven into this place, Lord God. Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord God. Prepare yourselves for the dance of dedication. Amen.
Have them to come back in just and take a vow. Have them to come back in and take a vow. Cause this is just extraordinary. My goodness. My goodness. Glory to God. Have them to come back in. My God. Come on, y'all. That's the dance ministry at WM. My goodness. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let's see. <laughs> come on in. Come on in. One more time. Come on. Come on, y'all. Show them some love. Glory to God. Come on. Come on. My God. Oh, my goodness. We want to thank y'all. Go ahead. Take your bow, man. Thank y'all so much. Give them some hand clap. Praise. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. Thank y'all so much. Wow. They did. They did. Woo! I'll see y'all afterwards, though. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. So good. Thank y'all so much. So I just I can't even imagine what it's going to be like in our new building when we have some 18 feet ceilings. We're going to be all right. We're going to tear it up in ministry. Thank y'all so much. For your time and your effort that you've placed in, truly anointed by God. Thank you so much. I saw so much coming. I mean, I love the rehearsal that y'all, you can see their, your, your discipline that you have in here. So it was beautiful dance, but what I saw was a disciplined group right here. Thank you so much. Love y'all. Each and every one of y'all. Y'all did so well. I can't wait. Can't wait to y'all do it again on Sunday. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you so much. Thank you all so much. It was good. Oh, my covenant-keeping God. Next, you know, also we have to remind, we don't have the st uh, stadium seating yet. So we have to let, make sure we sit down so everybody can see. At, amen. At this time, we're going to have another selection. Yes, we are. We got, a, we got another selection. This is uh, one of my favorite songs. It is Avinu uh, Makenu. And, um, I mean, this is going to be our Father, our Lord. This is going to be really excellent. And um, we have the ministers in the back right now. The husband and wife team right there. The whites. And, uh, man, what, this one, um, I want to, uh, man, give you a minute here. Steve said give her a minute. 
Man, I want the I want the lights down on this one. Cause it's really good. Let's turn them down just, just a little bit. Set the mood right. Not not all the way off. There you go. Boom. There you go. Right there. Y'all got me.
My God. Yeah. My goodness. Thank you so, so much. That's my favorite song. Our Father, our Daddy. Man. Well, y'all can cut the lights back on. was good. Wow. Beautiful. 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 We're winding it up. Hallelujah. All right. Amen. This is what I'm talking about. Y'all all right? Okay. This is <laughs> this day number eight. All right. So <clears throat> tonight we're going to we're going to conclude with our dramatic reading from Minister Al going to give us um, the um, overview of what it was like when great tyranny was happening to the people of God uh, between Matthew, uh, between Malachi and Matthew. And um, you're going to hear the battle of the Maccabees. You're going to see one of the, um, to me, is the mother's faith. And that story never gets old. And um, <clears throat> I think we have time to get everything in that we want to get in. Man, that dance was it. Wow. So we're going to find out a, a few things. Y'all enjoyed this week? It went by fast. It went by fast. It went by fast. It, it just, to me, it went by really, really fast. I want to thank y'all for coming out um, all nights for this rededication. And uh, we're going to get things going here. And I just want to make sure that we are at the right spot. What does the Hanukkah mean? Yeah, it means dedication. So somebody been listening. All right. Somebody's been listening here. All right. So we're on the eighth day which is very significant. The number eight is very significant. Um, we are the temple of God, and we really need to dedicate ourselves to God as well. Amen? Amen. Everything in the old is a shadow of the new. As I told you, the word Enoch from the Bible is the root word of Hanukkah, which means dedication. Uh, you can find that in Genesis uh, 5.24, but I want to save some time. You can do that on your own. Uh, it's a picture uh, that we need to dedicate our lives. And his life was so dedicated that God took him, which is a type in the shadow of things to come. If we dedicate our lives, you too will be taken. I think that's the whole point of this. I don't want to stay here. I want to go over there. So... He said, what I love about it, he said that God himself took him. God did, made it very clear. So the Feast of Dedication is eight days for those who dedicate themselves uh, so we can see the new heavens and the new earth and the new Jerusalem that's coming down. Amen. Got a new city coming down. So Hanukkah is an eight-day-long festival. Eight in the Bible is the Hebrew word, watch this, shmoni. Say shmoni. All right, shmoni. 
It means plumpness. <laughs> Smoony. This is where you get the word, watch this, shaman, which means plenteous. Comes from it. Listen, it comes from it. Listen, it means, watch this, that word, um, shmoony, that word that I just gave you as uh, plenteous, it, it means to do this. It means to superabound. Abundant. Eight. It means, watch this, regeneration. The number eight does. We're on the eighth day. The book of the Revelation, listen, we have a new heaven and a new earth. And it also means new beginnings. My goodness. This is, let's go back about 1,500 years. Man of God, you almost got your, you got it all set up back there? Good. All right. If we go back about 1,500 years B.C., let's start with uh, Moses and, uh, or Moshe. Uh, has a deep spiritual meaning for the number eight. It means regeneration, rededication, and new beginnings. Amen. So if we go to Exodus 22:30, I'm saving time. So we'll see. Matter of fact, just go there real quick. We're in the eighth day. Rededication, regeneration, and new beginnings. Plenteous, superabound, abundant. That's what it means. The number eight. All right. Uh, Exodus 22 and 30. Exodus chapter 22 at verse 30. Likewise, shall you do with your oxen and your sheep. Seven days, the firstborn beast shall be with its mother. Mm. On the eighth day, you shall give it to me. Mm. Dedicate it to me. So we say the eighth day means dedication. The Lord said, give them to me on the eighth day. Uh, Hanukkah is uh, to dedicate ourselves. Listen, it's all over the Bible. I want y'all to do this too. From now, when you see that word dedicate, um, look at it and say, oh, that's that word Hanukkah. It'll help you. It's the eighth letter. Watch this. Uh, Hanukkah uh, is the eighth letter, eighth, eighth letter in the Hebrew um, alphabet. The letter het is the eighth letter. That's where you get Hanukkah. It's the eighth letter. It means, or the other word, hamin, which means life. Amen. I mean, God, he, he's the, he, he's, you can't, his number, numerology and what he represents with numbers is, is mind-blowing when he has numbers. It's so, it's so important to understand that. Once you begin to read in the Bible, right away you'll see that Hanukkah is all over the Bible. Dedication. Go to Leviticus 9. Nine, one, and two. Leviticus chapter nine at verse one. On the eighth day, Moses called Aaron and his sons hmm. and the elders of Israel. And he said to Aaron, take a young calf for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering, each without blemish, hmm. and offer them before the Lord. So on the eighth day, you can see that God called for them to make their sacrifices on the altar. Amen. Amen. The eighth day. We are the temple. Listen, we are the temple. The eighth is new beginning. Eight is um, the number that the Lord gave to Moses. He gave to the Jews. 
so um, I want you to see something here, too, that uh, watch this. So Jesse is whose father? Oh, David. David, that's David's father, right? Okay, y'all don't believe me? Go to Matthew 1 6. <laughs> Jesse was the father of David. Matthew 1 6. Let's see what I got here. There we go. Matthew chapter 1 at verse 6. Jesse, the father of King David. King David, the father of Solomon, whose mother had been the wife of Uriah. Okay, so we see the genealogy going on here now. Watch this. Go to 1 Samuel 16 and 10. Eight, plenteous, fullness. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 16 at verse 10. Mm -hmm. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse... The Lord has not chosen any of these. Mm -mm. Go ahead. Verse 11. Mm -hmm. Then he said to Jesse, are all your sons here? Jesse said, there is yet the youngest. He is tending the sheep. <laughs> Samuel said to Jesse, send for him. But we will not sit down to eat until he is here. Mm. Verse 12. Jesse sent and brought him. David had a healthy reddish complexion mm. and beautiful eyes and was fine looking the lord said to samuel arise anoint him this is he look at that then samuel took the horn of oil and anointed david in the midst of his brothers and the spirit of the lord came mightily upon david from that day forward and samuel arose and went to ramah thank you Wow. So King David represents, he was um, the eighth son. The fullness, he was the eighth son. Y'all see that? He had seven brothers, but he was the eighth one. Some commentaries say that after all of that, but he was short too. He was short. <laughs> In stature. Yes, he was. <laughs> Maybe y'all get that anyway. All right. <laughs> Y'all funny. All right. So King David represents the Messiah because from the branch of King David will come the Messiah, Yeshua. He was the eighth son. Second Peter, real quick. Second Peter. Two and five. Second Peter, chapter two at verse five. And he spared not the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness, mm -hmm. with seven other persons, when he brought a flood upon the world of ungodly people. So, uh, seven plus Noah equals what? And the flood, the deluge that came, was after the water subsided. What did they have now? Their new what? Beginning. So, eight. It's the new beginning of people, of what God had planned for the whole generation. Amen? Amen. The concept of Hanukkah is throughout the Bible. Everything, every time um, that you see, um, I mean, you see dedication. You'll see dedication in there. That also means Hanukkah. 
Mm. Renew all of it. Regeneration. It's Hanukkah. That's the word that you would be seeing. That's why it's so foreign to us because most of us don't know that it means dedication, regeneration, new beginnings. We don't realize it means all these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anytime, and we can go to Second Chronicles. This is where the the altar. Matter of fact, go there. Second Chronicles seven eight, real quick. Second Chronicles chapter seven at verse eight. At that time, Solomon held the feast for seven days, and all Israel with him, a very great assembly, from the entrance of Hamath to the brook of Egypt. Mm -hmm. Eight, verse nine. The eighth day, they made a solemn assembly. There we go. For they had kept the dedication of the altar and the feast each for seven days. Look at that. Eight is such a profound number. They Hanukkah the altar. They Hanukkah the temple. They Hanukkah themselves. That's what we're doing here. This is it's so much more. Um, man, I tell you. It, there is so much more with this number. I, I'm, I'm not trying to uh, spend a lot of time because I really want to get the reading in um, so we can get a big picture of the coming of the Antichrist, which is represented by uh, Antiochus Epiphanes. And I told you that name um, is such synonymous in it, uh, with evil and the Antichrist is the one who opposes uh, the will of God and the things of God. And this is what you're going to see in Antiochus the fourth. So, man of God, we're going to get going and we're going to start off at that first one. You can all the red titles you can. Uh, so y'all don't fall asleep. He's going to read it. It's going to be really nice. He has a great voice. And I want y'all to visualize what he's reading. This is the faithfulness of Mattathias. During that time, a priest of the Jehoiarib family named Mattathias, who was the son of John and the grandson of Simeon, moved from Jerusalem and settled in Modain. Mattathias had five sons, John also called Gadi, Simon also called Thasi, Judas also called Maccabeus, Eleazar also called Abaron and Jonathan, also called Aphos. When Mattathias saw all the sins that were being committed in Judea and Jerusalem, he said, Why was I born to see these terrible things? The ruin of my people and of the holy city. Must I sit here helpless while the city is surrendered to enemies and the temple falls into the hands of foreigners? temple is like someone without honor. Its splendid furnishings have been carried away as loot. Our children have been killed in the streets and our young men by the sword of the enemy. Every nation in the world has occupied the city and robbed her of her possessions. All her ornaments have been stripped away. She is now a slave, no longer free. Look at our temple profaned by the Gentiles, emptied of all its splendor. Why should we go on living? 
In their grief, Mattathias and his sons tore their clothes, put on sackcloth, and continued in deep mourning. Then the king's officials, who were forcing the people to turn from God, came to the town of Modain to force the people there to offer pagan sacrifices. Many of the Israelites came to meet them, including Mattathias and his sons. The king's officials said to Mattathias, You are a respected leader in this town, and you have the support of your sons and relatives. Why not be the first one here to do what the king has commanded? All the Gentiles, the people of Judea, and all the people left in Jerusalem have already done so. If you do, you and your sons will be honored with the title of friends of the king, and you will be rewarded with silver and gold and many gifts. Mattathias answered in a loud voice, I don't care if every Gentile in this empire has obeyed the king and yielded to the command to abandon the religion of his ancestors. My children, my relatives, and I will continue to keep the covenant that God made with our ancestors. With God's help, we will never abandon his law or disobey his commands. We will not obey the king's decree. And we will not change our way of worship in the least. Just as he finished speaking, one of the men from Modain decided to obey the king's decree and stepped out in front of everyone to offer a pagan sacrifice on the altar that stood there. When Mattathias saw him, he became angry enough to do what had to be done. Shaking with rage, he ran forward and killed the man right there on the altar. He also killed the royal official who was forcing the people to sacrifice, and then he tore down the altar. In this way, Mattathias showed his deep devotion for the law, just as Phineas had done when he killed Zimri, son of Salu. The guerrilla warfare of Mattathias. Then Mattathias went through the town shouting, everyone who is faithful to God's covenant, and obeys his law, follow me. With this, he and his sons fled to the mountains, leaving behind all they owned. At that time, also many of the Israelites, who were seeking to be right with God through obedience to the law, went out to live in the wilderness, taking their children, their wives, and their livestock with them because of the terrible oppression they were suffering. The report soon reached the king's officials and the soldiers in the fort at Jerusalem, that some men who had defied the king's command had gone into hiding in the wilderness. A large force of soldiers pursued them, caught up with them, set up camp opposite them, and prepared to attack them on the Sabbath. There is still time, they shouted out to the Jews. Come out and obey the king's command, and we will spare your lives. We will not come out, they answered. We will not obey the king's command, and we will not profane the Sabbath. The soldiers attacked them immediately, but the Jews did nothing to resist. They did not even throw stones or block the entrances to the caves where they were hiding. They said, we will all die with a clear conscience. Let heaven and earth bear witness that you are slaughtering us unjustly. So the enemy attacked them on the Sabbath and killed the men 
their wives, their children, and their livestock. A thousand people died. When Mattathias and his friends heard the news about this, they were greatly saddened and said to one another, if all of us do as these other Jews have done and refuse to fight the Gentiles to defend our lives and our religion, we will soon be wiped off the face of the earth. On that day, they decided that if anyone attacked them on the Sabbath, they would defend themselves so that they would not all die as other Jews had died in the caves. Then Mattathias and his friends were joined by a group of devout and patriotic Jews, the strongest and bravest men in Israel, who had all volunteered to defend the law. In addition, everyone who was fleeing from the persecution joined them and strengthened their forces. Now that they had an army, they gave vent to their anger by attacking the renegade Jews. Those who escaped were forced to flee to the Gentiles for safety. Mattathias and his friends went everywhere, tearing down pagan altars and circumcising by force every uncircumcised boy they found within the borders of Israel. They were also successful in hunting down the arrogant Gentile officials. They rescued the law of Moses from the Gentiles and their kings and broke the power of the wicked king Antiochus. This is the death of Mattathias. When the time came for Mattathias to die, he said to his sons, these are times of violence and distress. Arrogant people are in control and have made us an object of ridicule. But you, my sons, must be devoted to the law and ready to die to defend God's covenant with our ancestors. Remember what our ancestors did and how much they accomplished in their day. Follow their example and you will be rewarded with great glory and undying fame. Remember how Abraham put his trust in the Lord when he was tested and how the Lord was pleased with him and accepted him. Joseph, in his time of trouble, obeyed God's commands and became ruler over the land of Egypt. Phineas, our ancestor, because of his burning devotion, was given the promise that his descendants would always be priests. Joshua was made a judge in Israel because he obeyed the command of Moses. Caleb brought back a good report to the community and was given a part of the land as a reward. David was made king and was given the promises that his descendants would always be kings because of his steadfast loyalty to God. Elijah, because of his great devotion to the law, was taken up into heaven. Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael were saved from the flames because they had faith. Daniel was a man of integrity, and the Lord rescued him from the mouth of the lions. Take each of these ancestors of ours as an example, and you will realize that no one who puts his trust in the Lord will ever lack strength. Don't be afraid of the threats of a wicked man. Remember that he will die and all his splendor will end with worms feeding on his decaying body. Today he may be highly honored, but tomorrow he will disappear. His body will return to the earth and his scheming will come to an end. But you, my sons, 
Be strong and courageous in defending the law because it is through the law that you will earn great glory. Your brother Simon is wise, so always listen to him as you would to me. Judas Maccabeus has been strong all his life. He will be your commander and will lead you in battle against the enemy. Call everyone who obeys God's law to rally around you. Then avenge the wrongs done to your people. Pay back the Gentiles for what they have done. And always obey the law and its commands. Then Mattathias gave them his blessing and died. He was buried in the family tomb at Modayim. And all the people of Israel went into deep mourning for him. This happened in the year 146. Antiochus attacks Jerusalem. When the news of what had happened in Jerusalem reached Antiochus, he thought the whole country of Judea was in revolt, and he became as furious as a wild animal. So he left Egypt and took Jerusalem by storm, giving his men orders to cut down without mercy everyone they met and to slaughter anyone they found hiding in the houses. They murdered everyone men and women, boys and girls, even babies, were butchered. Three days later, Jerusalem had lost 80,000 people, 40,000 killed in the attack, and at least that many taken away to be sold as slaves. But Antiochus was still not satisfied. He even dared to enter the holiest temple in all the world guided by Menelaus, who had become a traitor to both his religion and his people. With his filthy and unholy hands, Antiochus swept away the sacred objects of worship and the gifts which other kings had given to increase the glory and honor of the temple. He was so thrilled with his conquest that he did not realize that the Lord had let his holy temple be defiled because the sin of the people of Jerusalem had made him angry for a while. If the people of Jerusalem had not been involved in so many sins, Antiochus would have been punished immediately and prevented from taking such a foolish action. He would have suffered the same fate as Heliodorus, who was sent by King Seleucus to inspect the treasury. But the Lord did not choose his people for the sake of his temple. He established his temple for the sake of his people. So the temple shared in the people's suffering, but also later shared in their prosperity. The Lord abandoned it when he became angry, but restored it when his anger had cooled down. Hallelujah. Another attack against Jerusalem. Antiochus took 135,000 pounds of silver from the temple and hurried off to Antioch. Such was his arrogance that he felt he could make ships sail across dry land or troops march across the sea. He appointed governors to cause trouble for the people. In Jerusalem, he placed Philip, a man from Phrygia, who was more evil than Antiochus himself. At Mount Gerizim, he placed Andronicus. In addition to these, there was Menelaus, who mistreated his fellow Jews far worse than the governors did. Antiochus hated the Jews so much that he sent an army of 22,000 mercenary troops from Mysia to Jerusalem under the command of a man named Apollonius with orders to kill every man in the city 
and to sell the women and boys as slaves. Apollonius arrived in Jerusalem pretending to be on a peace mission. Then on a Sabbath, when all the Jews were observing the day of rest, he led his troops who were fully armed in a parade outside the city. Suddenly, he commanded his men to kill everyone who had come out to see them. They rushed into the city and murdered a great many people. But Judas Maccabeus and about nine others escaped into the barren mountains where they lived like wild animals. In order not to defile themselves, they ate only plants which they found growing there. The Jews are persecuted because of their faith. Not long after that, the king sent an elderly Athenian to force the Jews to abandon their religion and the customs of their ancestors. It was also to defile their temple by dedicating it to the Olympian god Zeus. The temple on Mount Gerizim was to be officially named Temple of Zeus, the god of hospitality, as the people who lived there had requested. The oppression was harsh and almost intolerable. Gentiles filled the temple with drinking parties and all sorts of immorality. They even had intercourse with prostitutes there. Forbidden objects were brought into the temple, and the altar was covered with detestable sacrifices prohibited by our law. It was impossible to observe the Sabbath, to celebrate any of the traditional festivals, or even so much as to admit to being a Jew. Each month, when the king's birthday was celebrated, the Jews were compelled by brute force to eat the intestines of sacrificial animals. Then during the festival in honor of the wine god Dionysus, they were required to wear ivy wreaths on their heads and march in procession. On the advice of Ptolemy, the neighboring Greek cities were also instructed to require Jews to eat the sacrifices. They were told to put to death every Jew who refused to adopt the Greek way of life. It was easy to see that hard times were ahead. For example, two women were arrested for having their babies circumcised. They were paraded around the city with their babies hung from their breasts. Then they were thrown down from the city wall. On another occasion, Philip was told that some Jews had gathered in a nearby cave to observe the Sabbath in secret. Philip attacked and burned them all alive. They had such respect for the Sabbath that they would not fight to defend themselves. The Lord punishes and shows mercy. I beg you not to become discouraged as you read about the terrible things that happened. Consider that this was the Lord's way of punishing his people, not destroying them. In fact, it is a sign of kindness to punish a person immediately for his sins rather than to wait a long time. Go ahead. The Lord does not treat us as he does other nations. He waits patiently until they have become deeply involved in sin before he punishes them. But he punishes us before we have sinned too much. So the Lord is always merciful to us, his own people. Although he punishes us with disasters, he never abandons us. I have made these few observations by way of reminder. 
Eleazar dies for his faith. There was an elderly and highly respected teacher of the law by the name of Eleazar, whose mouth was being forced open to make him eat pork. But he preferred an honorable death rather than a life of disgrace. <laughs> so he spit out the meat and went willingly to the place of torture, showing how people should have courage to refuse unclean food, even if it cost them their lives. Those in charge of the sacrifice had been friends of Eleazar for a long time. And because of this friendship, they told him privately to bring meat that was lawful for him to eat. He need only pretend to eat the pork, they said. And in this way, he would not be put to death. But Eleazar made a decision worthy of his gray hair and advanced age. All his life, he had lived in perfect obedience to God's holy laws. So he replied, kill me, here and now. Such deception is not worthy of a man of my years. Many young people would think that I had denied my faith after I was 90 years old. If I pretended to eat this meat just to live a little while longer, it would bring shame and disgrace on me and lead many young people astray. For the present, I might be able to escape what you could do to me, but whether I live or die, I cannot escape Almighty God. If I die bravely now, it will show that I deserved my long life. It will also set a good example of the way young people should be willing and glad to die for our sacred and respected laws. As soon as he had said these things, he went off to be tortured. And the very people who had treated him kindly a few minutes before now turned against him because they thought he had spoken like a madman. When they had beaten him almost to the point of death, he groaned and said, the Lord possesses all holy knowledge. He knows I could have escaped these terrible sufferings and death. Yet he also knows that I gladly suffer these things because I fear him. So Eleazar died, but his courageous death was remembered as a glorious example, not only by young people, but by the entire nation as well. Lastly, a mother and her sons die for their faith. As you read this part, say each verse, you know, like verse 1, verse 2, okay? Because I want to help us out with something. I'm going to read it, then we'll go back real quick. This is the last one. So you read it all the way through, and then we'll go back. I'll tell you when to go back. Go ahead, read it through. Sir, beginning in verse 7. On another occasion, a Jewish mother and her seven sons were arrested. The king was having them beaten to force them to eat pork. Verse 2. Then one of the young men said, What do you hope to gain by doing this? We would rather die than abandon the traditions of our ancestors. Verse 3. This made the king so furious that he gave orders for huge pans and kettles to be heated red hot. Verse 4, and it was done immediately. Then he told his men to cut off the tongue of the one who had spoken 
and to scalp him and chop off his hands and feet while his mother and six brothers looked on. Verse 5. After the young man had been reduced to a helpless mass of breathing flesh, the king gave orders for him to be carried over and thrown into one of the pans. As a cloud of smoke streamed up from the pan, the brothers and their mother encouraged one another mm-hmm. to die bravely, saying, verse 6, The Lord God is looking on and understands our suffering. Moses made this clear when he wrote a song condemning those who had abandoned the Lord. He said, the Lord will have mercy on those who serve him. Verse 7. After the first brother had died in this way, the soldiers started amusing themselves with the second one by tearing the hair and skin from his head. Then they asked him, now will you eat this pork or do you want us to chop off your hands and feet one by one? Verse eight, he replied in his native tongue, I will never eat it. So the soldiers tortured him just as they had the first one. Verse nine, but with his dying breath, he cried out to the king, you butcher, You may kill us, but the king of the universe will raise us from the dead and give us eternal life because we have obeyed his laws. Verse 10. The soldiers began entertaining themselves with the third brother. When he was ordered to stick out his tongue, he quickly did so. Then he bravely held out his hands. Verse 11. And courageously said, God gave these to me. But his laws mean more to me than my hands. Mm, mm, mm. And I know God will give them back to me again. Verse 12. The king and those with him were amazed at his courage and at his willingness to suffer. Verse 13. After he had died, the soldiers tortured the fourth one in the same cruel way. Verse 14. But his final words were, I am glad to die at your hands because we have the assurance that God will raise us from death. But there will be no resurrection to life for you, Antiochus. Verse 15. When the soldiers took the fifth boy and began torturing him. Verse 16. He looked the king squarely in the eye and said, You have the power to do whatever you want with us, even though you also are mortal. But do not think that God has abandoned our people. Come on. Verse 17. Just wait. God will use his great power to torture you and your descendants. Verse 18. Then the soldiers took the sixth boy, and just before he died, he said, make no mistake. We are suffering what we deserve. Because we have sinned against our God. That's why all these terrible things are happening to us. But don't think for a minute that you will avoid being punished for fighting against God. Verse 20. The mother was the most amazing one of them all. And she deserves a special place in our memory. Although she saw her seven sons die in a single day. 
She endured it with great courage because she trusted in the Lord. Verse 21. She combined womanly emotion with manly courage and spoke words of encouragement to each of her sons in their native language. Verse 22. I do not know how your life began in my womb, she would say. I was not the one who gave you life and breath and put together each part of your body. Verse 23. It was God who did it. God who created the universe, the human race, and all that exists. He is merciful, and he will give you back life and breath again because you love his laws more than you love yourself. Verse 24. Antiochus was sure that the mother was making fun of him. So he did his best to convince her youngest son to abandon the traditions of his ancestors. He promised not only to make the boy rich and famous, but to place him in a position of authority and to give him the title friend of the king. Verse 25. But the boy paid no attention to him. So Antiochus tried to persuade the boy's mother to talk to him into saving his life. Verse 26. And after much persuasion, she agreed to do so. Verse 27. Leaning over her son, she fooled the cruel tyrant by saying in her native language, my son, have pity on me. Remember that I carried you in my womb for nine months and nursed you for three years. I have taken care of you and looked after all your needs up to the present day. Verse 28. So I urge you, my child, to look at the sky and the earth. Consider everything you see there and realize that God made it all from nothing, just as he made the human race. Verse 29, don't be afraid of this butcher. Give up your life willingly and prove yourself worthy of your brothers so that by God's mercy, I may receive you back with them at the resurrection. Verse 30, before she could finish speaking, the boy said, King Antiochus, what are you waiting for? I refuse to obey your orders. I only obey the commands in the law which Moses gave to our ancestors. Verse 31. You have thought up all kinds of cruel things to do to our people, but you won't escape the punishment that God has in store for you. Verses 32 and 33. It is true that our living Lord is angry with us. It is making us suffer because of our sins in order to correct and discipline us. But this will last only a short while. For we are still his servants and he will forgive us. Verse 34. But you are the cruelest and most disgusting thing that has ever lived. So don't fool yourself with illusions of greatness while you punish God's people. Verse 35. There is no way for you to escape punishment at the hands of the almighty and all-seeing God. My brothers suffered briefly because of our faithfulness to God's covenant. Mm -hmm. But now they have entered eternal life. But you will fall under God's judgment and be punished as you deserve for your arrogance. Verse 37, I now give up my body and my life for the laws of our ancestors. 
just as my brothers did. But I also beg God to show mercy to his people quickly and to torture you until you are forced to acknowledge that he alone is God. Verse 38. May my brothers and I be the last to suffer the anger of Almighty God, which he has justly brought upon our entire nation. Verse 39. These words of ridicule made Antiochus so furious that he had the boy tortured even more cruelly than his brothers. Verse 40. And so the boy died with absolute trust in the Lord, never unfaithful for a minute. Verse 41. Last of all, the mother was put to death. Verse 42. But I have said enough about the Jews being tortured and being forced to eat the intestines of sacrificial animals. First and second Maccabees. That was the 400 years in between Malachi and Matthew, the intertestamental period. So a lot was happening that we have missed in our Christian walk about our faith, hasn't it? Just kind of put a different light on what really happened. Men of God. Verse 2 of the mother's faith. Just verse 2. Just want us to make sure we get some things clear here. Verse 2. Then one of the young men said, What do you hope to gain by doing this? We would rather die than abandon the traditions of our ancestors. At this point, they didn't know Yeshua, Jesus. They didn't have houses, cars, dogs and food and friends. They lived in caves and they were on the run. They had nothing, watch this, but God. Verse 5. Verse 5. After the young man had been reduced to a helpless mass of breathing flesh. The king gave orders for him to be carried over and thrown into one of the pans. As a cloud of smoke streamed up from the pan, the brothers and their mother encouraged one another to die bravely, mm -hmm. saying. She didn't say, where are you, God? She didn't say, where are you, God? This is her son's being murdered right in front of her. We get a flat tire. We'd be like, where you at, God? <laughs> we get our lights cut off. Where, where you at, God? We lose a job. Where you at, God? Mm, okay. All right. She's going to lose all of her sons. And she not even questioned God. Watch this. And she didn't know Yeshua yet. 
She never even questioned God, all that was happening right then. Look at us. Verse 16. Verse 16. He looked the king squarely in the eye mm. and said, you have the power to do whatever you want with us, even though you also are mortal. But do not think that God has abandoned our people. He watched his brothers die. He watched them die. And he's still saying God. He's still claiming God's goodness. And God is with us. I mean, what kind of mindset do they have? I mean, let's, let's, look, let's look at us. Let's look at us. The Bible said that which that had been is going to be again. So this is why I'm trying to get us to really understand the season that we are in when it comes to our faith. And we had no idea what it took to procure our faith that we can come in here today and sit here and reject him. We don't understand what really happened. Verse 18. Verse 18, then the soldiers took the sixth boy, and just before he died, he said, make no mistake, we are suffering what we deserve, mm. because we have sinned against our God. Mm. That's why all these terrible things are happening to us. He's saying that we deserve this. Because of our sins. Yeah. Messiah hadn't came yet. He, he's, they're, they're, they couldn't do their offering to cover their sins. They couldn't make their daily um, offering to cover their sins with the animals. It was temporary. They, they took away the daily oblations. They could not make the covering for their sins. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? He took away the means that they could temporarily. And he said, we deserve this because we have sin. See, a lot of us, mm -mm, mm -mm. we just, all we do is say, you know, say you're blessed. Say you're blessed while we sin him. If you don't forgive, guess what you're doing? Talk about it. My Lord. See, we're, we're doing the same thing. They, they could not make the sacrifice. They could not make an offering to cover their sins. He said, we know we're sinning. Yeah. In the book of Job, yes. the first thing that Satan took from Job was his animals. Because he could not cover his children' sin. He couldn't do it. First thing he took from him was his animals. So he couldn't make that offering to cover their sins. First thing Satan took. Mm -mm -mm. Verse 23. And 22 and 23, man of God. Verse 22. 
verses 22 and 23. Mm -hmm. I do not know how your life began in my womb, she would say. I was not the one who gave you life and breath and put together each part of your body. It was God who did it. God who created the universe, the human race, and all that exists. He is merciful, and he will give you back life and breath again because you love his laws more than you love yourself. What verse was that? 20? 22 and 23. And if you keep reading, Antiochus thought that she was mocking him. She wasn't mocking him. She was honoring God. Mm-mm-mm. Verse 24. Antiochus, verse 24, was sure that the mother was making fun of him. Mm, see? So he did his best to convince her youngest son to abandon the traditions of his ancestors. He promised not only to make the boy rich and famous, but to place him in a position of authority and to give him the title friend of the king. So Daniel, in the book of Daniel, Daniel prophesies that Antiochus, watch this, would seek to change the times and the calendars and change the way the ways of God through, watch this, smooth talk and flattery. This is what you saw happening. He's going to tell you what you want to hear. This is what, he's a type of antichrist. He was losing what was happening, teacher. He was losing, listen, his power at this point. He saw all the faith of all the brothers. He was losing his power at this point. And he made, watch this, at that point he said, I'll make you rich. I'll give you status. I'll give you fame. Verse 25, the boy might have been, watch the, go ahead, read 25. See, this is what happened when he was losing ground. I, I come for, you know, your flesh. I come for, you know, riches. I, I offer you these things just so you can denounce your Torah. You can denounce your law. There you go. Verse 25, man of God. Verse 25. But the boy paid no attention to Look him. How many of y'all would give in? You're about to be tortured, and they're going to tell you, I'm going to give you a you know, million dollars if you just eat this. If you, see, it's not the eating of the swine. It's the defilement of God. See, a lot of us get caught up in that he was eating the, the swine, which is unclean. But they were defiling what God had commanded them to do. That's where the attack was. Go ahead. 25 men of God, you did? So Antiochus tried to persuade the boy's mother to talk him into saving his life. Look at that. If you do a little research, this boy was probably, watch this, 10 or 13 years old. He was only about 10 or 13 years old. And, you know, y'all be like, come on, mom. You know, he was probably saying, come on, mom, this is your baby boy right here. I'm about to, you know what I'm about to do. She stood. And the Bible said, that, not the Bible, but the Maccabee said that she spoke in her own tongue to give him encouragement. Verse 33. Good God Almighty. 
at verse 33. It is true that our living Lord is angry with us and is making us suffer because of our sins in order to correct and discipline us. Mm. But this will last only a short while. For we are still his servants, and he will forgive us. My goodness. See, when we suffer, or when we go through suffering, we never look at our own sins. When these terrible things are happening, we never look at what you're carrying inside of your heart towards someone. Mm. Something to think about, isn't it? Verse 38. Verse 38. May my brothers and I be the last to suffer the anger mm. of Almighty God, which he has justly brought upon our entire nation. Man, they are what they're they are not doing for themselves. They are planting trees that will never, that they will never sit under in the shade. Did y'all get that? They're not doing for themselves here. They're actually planting trees where they will never sit in the shade here. This is exactly what Yeshua taught others to do, is to think of others than thinking of yourself. Ain't that what he taught us? Why did Yeshua show up at Hanukkah? He was honoring their memories. If they were dying for the word, then they were dying for him. Y'all, somebody going to get that. If they were dying for his word, then they were dying for him. Watch this. We would not have him without them. We wouldn't have him without them. We wouldn't have had Mary. We wouldn't have had the mother Mary that come through and receive by immaculate conception the word of God. If not the faith of the Maccabees, if not for Metathias and his five sons that stood up and revolted against tyranny, revolted against the Antichrist, revolted against the society that was trying to take them over, the Greek. The same thing is happening in our world now. Is being taught, taken over. They, they, they built these gymnasiums. And these gymnasiums is where they discuss their politics, philosophy. This is where they made business deals. This is where they had lewd and ungodly acts at. In these arenas. You know, the stadiums that we have all over in every, in every state. Football, <laughs> soccer, listen, basketball, all these are arenas 
for entertainment. Deals are cut. Ain't nothing new, y'all. They made them. It's called Hellenization. They were taking out their way of life for another way of life. Corrupt. They had people who were circumcised. Y'all know what I'm saying. But these Jews, these Jews were so enthralled with their new society that they reverse so they would be accepted the circumcision they reversed it so they could be accepted yeah by the world it's so much more there is so much more that i didn't get to tell you that's happening it's it's, it's huge but what i'm really want us to really understand is that this faith that we have we should take it very seriously this Jesus that we have, we should take it very seriously because many have died so you can sit here and receive him or ignore him. This is what happened. We don't know what happened in between those periods where everybody's been teaching God was quiet. The faith was going forth in demonstration. They didn't have Jesus. They didn't know Jesus. It's a type in the shadow. That society that's taking over this Christian society, making them say they need to have same sex in the church. It's the same thing. You're defiling the temple. It's the same thing. It's no different. When you hate each other, when you don't agree with each other, it's the same defilement that we don't see. Can you see the faith of these people? For us to sit here and go to sleep. To sit here. I mean, the, what they died for. To preserve the word of God. So we could sit here and take the baton. It's a marathon. Take the baton. Now it's our turn. They ran their faith. They ran that race. Now we get the baton. What do we do? We drop it. If that don't, if these stories don't change your mind about this word that we have, something's wrong. How many of you would die for your faith? How many would you die? Well, the word of God said that it's going to be a time. This is in the New Testament. This is in the New Testament that it says that. Are we ready? Where would, would you, would you, would you really? Come on. Come on, we get mad if somebody step on our foot. We get mad at the preacher, you don't like what he's saying, lead church. No, wait, for real, you're going to stand for your faith for God? You're going to die for him? Or for the faith? Because you don't have to die for him, he died for us. But for this faith, your belief in him. Yeah, this is the only God that died for us. Every other God, you got to die for him. Exactly. Only thing he asked you to do is die to self. So, are we still being Hellenized in the body of Christ? Absolutely we are. This is why we have so many different denominations. 
so many different opinions of the word. Y'all say, would you really die? If it was called for your life to denounce, you remember Columbine? That little 13 girl, the only girl that we know that's been martyred here in America. She said she would not denounce her God, and they shot and killed her. Now, would you, for, for real, y'all sitting here telling me, y'all, ain't, y'all would do that, huh? Y'all that strong in y'all faith, huh? Y'all relationship with God is that should be. He did it for you. I'm just, I'm going to stand, watch this, I'm going to stand in my faith for him. But when you don't get along with each other, you're denouncing. It's faith. You're denouncing what he did. We got so many believers are so unforgiving. And the whole gospel is based on forgiveness. Don't let the enemy fool you. Teacher, uh, I mean, I could keep going, but we're not going to keep going. <laughs> we're not going to keep going. But I do, I do want us to see the importance of really understanding the first and second Maccabees and our faith that we have. Is it genuine? Is it real? If it was called upon you to denounce your God, would you? Or would you stand like that mother did for her children? Could you do that? Could you look at your beautiful children and tell them to die? Listen, heroically for your God for your faith. Could you actually look at your little children and do what they did? Man, that's a lot. Glory to God. Glory to God. <laughs> okay. He's worthy. Y'all ain't my time. I'm a little five minutes beyond my time. He Y'all is so worthy. Mm-mm-mm. About Glory to God. Just feel the love of God. Feel the love of God. A lot of us can't feel the love of God. And feeling is not a natural, in our natural senses that we feel. It's just an exchange of expression of love. Feel the love of God. Mm. I believe the summation of this teaching and why we as a body of Christ may struggle in our Christian walk it does go back to which tree. But most importantly, and the things that we struggle with, that one major thing 
is to die. Jesus didn't come so that you'll learn how or know how to live, but you know how to die. He came so you would know how to die. We're trying to figure out how to live. He came and showed us how to die. Look, so that you could live. So that you could live. Even the, when our loved one pass on and how we respond, the believer should know that our Heavenly Father, he take pleasure in the death of his saints. Why do we mourn? Why is it so tough for us? Because we're still caught up on this life. We must learn the Maccabee. They are prime example of how you should die. Lay down your life. It's truly the faith of God that they stood for to the death because death for them is eternal life. thank everyone for coming out. I really pray. Oh my God. I'm trying to figure out and I've already determined and I've made it known that when he called me home I put in a request. that if you just give me in those few moments that I sit up and I prophesy to everybody around me. I'm telling you, I know how to die. I know how to die. I want, I need the ability. I need the ability to still speak and be in my right mind. Because I know how to die. Let it be that you use my tongue yet again 
to glorify the Father as I meet him. I know how to die. Stand on your feet. Oh. Oh, I thank the Lord. Oh, my God, I guess I need to get out of the way. I just want to say, I love you. I love you. God has something for us. Spread the gospel. Spread the gospel. Spread the gospel. Shun from evil. Spread the gospel. Preserve the faith. Heal the sick. Cast out demons. Spread the gospel. Spread the gospel. This is not just any other time we've gathered. I beseech you, brethren, spread the gospel. Speak of his goodness. Serve the young generation. Be the example. Spread the gospel. Go out in hedges and highways. Spread the gospel. I know how to die. We're in the last evil days. Bring glory to our Heavenly Father. We love you. We adore you. You have commissioned us to go and spread the good news that the Messiah, he lives. He still saves and he still delivers. He said, I've commissioned you for this very purpose. 
already given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. We glorify you, Father. We look upon the lights. The only light that can save this world. Teach us to love truth. Reveal this new beginning for each and every one of us that's assembled here tonight. There's a new beginning. There's a restoration. There's a restart. We look on the light that lighteth the world, that taketh away all sins. Ah. Fill us again. Fill us again. Fill us again. Fill us again. Fully equipped us to do the work of the kingdom. He's the light of the world. He is the light. That shines in all the deep, dark chambers of a man's heart. Fresh anointing upon the people of God. Bring about a peace like never before. Heal this land. Light of the world. Light of the world. Jesus. Light of the world. We worship you. Teach us to honor and respect you again. Light of the world. We look upon the light. We have gathered and your name, the name that's above all names, the name of Jesus. Salvation, 
love, forgiveness. Bless your people. Touch each and every one of us. Bring wholeness in our minds. Increase in the areas of the life at which we have a need. We love you. We adore you. And now we leave this physical place. Where you have manifested yourself. And expressed your mind. To your people. Give us grace mercy to arrive to our destination. We adore you. We magnify you. Teach us to honor and reverence the presence of our God. Shalom, people of God. Shalom. May the peace of God overtake you and your household. Shalom. Shalom. Go in peace. Go in the grace and mercy of God. <laughs>